Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. He konai purangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. They say life is stranger than fiction. They got uh, water, methane, ammonia and hydrogen. They put that in a container, sealed it. With nothing else in there, they hit that with electricity and they cracked it all open and had a look in there um, and they found 20 different amino acids. But sometimes what we see in movies or read in books is so incredible that it obviously couldn't be possible. Or could it? But then after 75 bounces, it releases all this energy. Yeah, and it doesn't take much. No, and so then it goes back to, does Flubber have infinite energy? Hi, I'm Brian Crump and you're listening to Sci-Fi Sci-Fact, a podcast where McDiamond Institute scientists fact-check popular science fiction. On this episode, Dr Nathaniel Davis, McDiamond Institute Associate Investigator, and a lecturer in physical chemistry at Victoria University of Wellington, takes us on a blunder through Flubber, which looks like silly putty, but defies the laws of physics. Touch of electricity. So I've summed it up as something which looks a little bit like silly putty but behaves like plutonium without the radioactivity. Yeah, you're pretty much. Um, it's actually, they based it on the silly putty was the original sort of thing. They made the flubber as part of a marketing campaign after the movie. Really? Um, well, the original movie. Uh, it was <laughs> the absent-minded professor in 1961 and then they went on to make what they called Flubber, and that evolved into Silly Putty that we have now. Okay, so the, this was actually a remake of The Absent-Minded Professor, yes, which yes. I can't remember who started in that version in the 60s, but they decided to call it Flubber because that would be good for marketing. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Well, that's Disney for you. Exactly. They're pretty good on the old merchandise. But is it possible to have something that is like Silly Putty, but then if you... Now, if you... I think... If a little bit is added, of if you smear Flubber, for example, there was a scene I was watching and Robin Williams, the mad professor, is smearing a golf ball with Flubber and then yeah. suddenly the golf ball is shooting around like nobody's business, yeah. like a bit of sodium on water. Uh, is that actually possible? Um, so it depends. So Flubber has a lot of different properties and one of them being uh, it bounces uh, and it bounces very sort of strongly, so much so that it's meant to bounce more or higher than you drop it from. So normal things bounce... It then goes up lower and lower and lower. Flubber has the opposite. Every time it bounces, it bounces higher. Um, okay. Uh, and I've got a couple of notes on that later. Yes, but yes. talking about the, the golf ball, what he does, he grinds up 
the flubber into a sort of a gluey sort of powder cream and rubs that on a golf ball. So if you have a material that is inherently bouncy, you can coat another ball with it. So if you've got a golf ball, you wrap that in rubber, it can bounce more. If flubber exists and bounces higher than it's dropped from and you wrap that around a golf ball, that would work. It's just where the flubber itself works. Uh, can, can anything, I thought the law of physics was that if something bounces, friction is going to take some of the energy. When it contacts with the ground, bang, there's friction, and that's the loss of energy. So it's, it's not possible. Yep, that's absolutely correct. For something it's, to bounce higher. Unless there's two time. ways it can do it. One is it has some form of internal energy that it's releasing. So it's kind of like a battery. When it bounces, it releases a bit of energy and it bounces higher. And that would only work for as long as it has energy left and then it'll just bounce like nothing. Or it's somehow absorbing energy on each bounce. So when it hits the ground, instead of losing that energy, it's taking energy maybe in the form of heat from the ground. So each time it bounces, it might cool the ground down. Right. Is there any evidence in the movie to support... There's some. Hypothesis. So every time, every time they open the flubber from its little pressurized container, that's cold. Uh-huh. So it goes in warm, and every time they open it up, it's frozen. You see frost. So um, I've sort of had the idea that maybe the idea of the internal energy breaks apart really quickly because the amount of energy needed to exponentially bounce just it's, it's exponential. So it's infinite energy, and you can't store that. So if it's taking energy and cooling things down, that's a possibility. But again, because it's exponential, the reason why we can't have things that bounce infinitely is because it just blows out of proportion. So we did it. We did a quick calculation um, that if we have a hundred grams of flubber and we drop it from a meter high around a ball, oh no, just just, just, just flubber just by itself. Flubber. Yep. Just drop flubber it, on its own. Yep, a meter high. Drop it onto a ten by ten centimeter slab of concrete, about one centimeter thick, and the idea is. Every time it bounces, it bounces 10% higher. So first bounce is a metre, 1.1 metres, and so on. And the only assumption we make that all the energy that's needed to increase that bounce comes from heat from that concrete tile. So you get the specific heat capacity of the concrete tile. You can work out how much energy you need to bounce higher. Um, And what we worked out is after 10 bounces, you're at 2.6 metres, and you've lost one degree of heat. After 50, you've lost 25 degrees of heat and you're at 117 metres. But then after 75 bounces, although you're over a kilometre high, your piece of tile now is at absolute zero. So and that no, means there's no more energy there's to no take more energy. from it. So the next bounce has to be a regular bounce that doesn't break the laws of physics or doesn't take energy in. So it gets complicated because, like, how far can it absorb energy from? Can it take energy from a metre? Yes. What um, if it can take energy from the whole planet Earth? Then it's terrifying because you have something that every time it hits or collides with something takes more energy than it had and goes off in the opposite direction so it's going to be bouncing around the universe taking all the energy and never stopping until there's no energy left would it get to a point where it would be going so high and at such a velocity it would escape from the earth anyway and and then the earth would keep the remaining energy that hadn't been taken out of the flubber or by the flubber yep so that could happen but then the flubber's still either in orbit hitting things and taking that energy or off on some course throughout the universe until it hits something else. I mean, if, if something like this existed, the universe would be like um, a dodgem's course. Yeah, it would be like flubbers coming, uh, let's move the planet a couple of degrees because otherwise we're gone.
Ah, right then. So that seems to rule out that as a possibility. Is there any any material, however, that does this in any way, even you know, just absorbing a bit of heat and therefore bouncing more than mm. you would expect? It Not to? really. Um, the idea of absorbing heat from contact in sort of you need a chemical reaction that when you compress your material, the chemical reaction happens, and then that takes energy. Um, so that always needs precursors. So you run out of the material that's reacting quite quickly, that's taking the energy. Um, there are things that you press on them and they do make a, a electric potential. So a piezoelectric crystal, you press on the crystal and it makes a spark. I think it's the sparks you use in ovens or oven lighters. It's a oh, little really? crystal. Is you that press, one of those? Yeah, so you press the crystal with a bit of force and it makes a, a voltage potential which sparks. So ah. maybe that sort of work because it's like a bouncy thing, but they're all really rigid crystals and you move the crystal lattice. The idea that a flexible polymer can also have this is, is sort of not realistic. I'm sorry for going off on a tangent here, Nate, but um, when did we discover that crystals had this ability to create a charge? Um, put I'm, force not, on them? I'm not sure exactly on the year, but it's been known enough that there's applications for years so like the old lighters we had were piezoelectric spark crystals so i'd say really, at least really cigarette sort of lighters years. yeah cigarette lighters can have them in them um not the ones that had the flint yeah because i ones... thought that was just friction yeah that. so there's friction ones or there's just crystal pressing the, the interesting thing is what you can do the way um, ultrasound works is the opposite you put in uh, electric current into the crystal and that causes the crystal to change its shape so then you put in a really fast electrical current and the crystal vibrates really quickly, producing the ultrasound we use. So at least as long as ultrasound has existed. Really? It's ultrasound. So the, the, we use to, to scan and inside, find the baby and that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And what kind of crystal? Um, what elements this is, do you So this know? is going further into Sorry, the research. Sorry, um, I, 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 I don't know if there. your colleagues at the Diamond Institute warned you about yeah. my tendency to go off on a tangent. <laughs> um, there's... I wouldn't know, but any they're normally some form of mixed oxide, I think, or ally. I, would, I wouldn't know much about them. I know okay. that you can make them. Anyway, um, fascinating. Um, but sorry, I'll, I'll bring us so back just, to the, I'm the, just hoping the, the, the my, flubber. Um, my second year um, <laughs> chemistry teacher isn't listening from Sydney because he'll be right on it. Um, does flubber do anything else that's remarkable? Yeah, so it does, it does a couple things. Um, the one thing it does first is, like, it looks like it's alive. I only saw the trailer... It, at one stage, it sort of it looks like a little amoeba, amorphous body, but it also then looks a bit like a fat human shape, and it dances and plays music uh, during the film. Right. And so that's I had a bit of problem trying to work at the materials aspect of that, but the way they make it does do some hints. So one of the big things they make is they just, a lot of the way they make it is just pop culture of science. Like it, it looks cool. A lot of a lot of Flask bubbling and colours and smoke. Yes. Um, but one of the key ingredients is there's definitely solutions of different things. There's gases because it's bubbling and there's electricity. When they make it, they zap it with enough electricity to cause sparks in, in the show. Um, and the way they actually made life or they think life was made is back in the prehistoric earth, there was lightning, there was gas, there was water. And the idea of given enough lightning, gas and water time, you can make life and organic molecules. Amino acids. Yeah, and so that the amino acids um, comes from the famous Miller-Urey uh, experiment, uh, where in 1952 they got uh, water, methane, ammonia, and hydrogen, which is what they thought existed back in the prehistoric Earth. They put that in a container, sealed it, 
and they allow the water to evaporate. They hit that with electricity with all the gases there and they allow that to condense like it's raining. And they just do that thousands and thousands of times. And with nothing else in there, the solution slowly goes from like clear to a pinky to a red to this dark black color. And they cracked it all open and had a look in there. Um, and they found 20 different amino acids ah. from just so synthesis amino acids from nothing. And so in Flubber, he takes all the stuff that was needed, what we think maybe had to create the building blocks of life. He also throws in hair as an organic catalyst. So he's already put in some DNA and some cellular material there. And then he hits it with a lot of electricity. So it's similar to these original experiments uh, that were performed in making these amino acids. And that can maybe make like a plasmodial amoeba-like life form, which Flubber seems to be. Although... It's also a life form that if you put it on a, a golf ball, the golf ball bounces higher and higher each time it comes back yeah, to the ground. Yeah, so, so the, the, then it doesn't... We're getting stretched in opposite directions yeah. here, aren't we? I think, I think they, they might have had problems with making material claims and also a kid's movie yeah. in that it, it also giggles, and I couldn't work out any way to make a material <laughs> giggle. Um, and it's also scared of the cold. Like it, it, it doesn't like being cold. So there's a bit of sentience there, a bit of movement... Um, and do you a think bit of some of the flower's properties were to do with um, marketing? Yeah, definitely. It's just make it like silly putty and, you know, and that's, people and, will flock to the yeah. shops after the moving. And the main thing is, uh, one of its, uh, for marketing, is that it is like silly putty. So it's, it's, it's a non-Newtonian fluid, which means it doesn't have constant viscosity uh, measurements with uh, speed. So if you move fast, it can goes hard, it cracks like silly putty, but if you pull it slow, it becomes a liquid. Um, and so these are these are we use non-Newtonian fluids all the day, uh, all the time. And non-Newtonian, non-Newtonian, Isaac Newton. Yeah, so it breaks his 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 rules on viscosity. That if you have a solution, and you move through it, the viscosity viscosity is effectively linear or in some relation that's constant to the speed. So if you go faster, your hand through water, you move it slow, you move it faster. There's like drag there, but in um, non-Newtonian fluids, that's sort of different. So there's you can have things that are completely solid with force, and then uh, liquid without it. So I'm guessing that then such fluids, we weren't aware of them back in Sir Isaac Newton's yeah, exactly. time. Yeah, um, exactly. They might have had some, so I don't know how long corn flour has been around, like starch. So the easiest way to make it is you get starch. You might have done it at home, put a bit of water in there, and you make this sort of gooey liquid that if you hold in your hand, just falls out of your hand through your fingers, or if you pick it up and like punch it, it's completely solid. Okay, that uh, sounds like a really fun thing to do with my son. Yeah, yeah. So there's, um, but all you need, yeah, cornstarch and water, and you can just, you slowly add the water, and you'll stir it, and you'll feel that you won't be able to stir it anymore because stirring implies the force, which means it makes it hard. But if you stop stirring, it'll turn into liquid. Incredible. Yeah, and the way yeah. the way they work is that, and how flubber would have to work in this sense because it can do these things is you need to have long brushy polymers. And so you imagine these polymer chains or like sticks or so, and if they're given, or even spaghetti is a good way to imagine it, given enough time, the spaghetti and the sticks can move past each other. So that's when they're slow, they're liquid. But if you pull on them really quickly, they all sort of grab onto each other. So like the, the, the branches of the sticks or stuff, and is, that makes it solid. Is that why corn flour, when I've occasionally had it, sticks and other, other kinds of powder like that stick to the roof of your mouth and when you try to remove them? It could really be hard to get them out. Definitely with corn flour, because in the roof of your mouth, it would be getting a they bit wet. They always seem to go with there. Your sli saliva, and then the sort of surface tension from the top of your mouth, it's nice and concave. There's little ridges. It probably just sits in there quite happily. And as you're trying, if it's non-Newtonian, as you try and pull it off the top of your mouth, you'll make it stick harder. 
But not all powders behave that way, just no, some. No, just some. Just if they've got long, brushy polymer chains or cross-links. Um, it's one of the ways you can make uh, flubber at home is you just take PVA glue. Um, so, like, that's the alcohol. It's a polymer chain. And then you can take uh, borax, which is sodium borohydride or something. Uh, that's toxic, so maybe avoid the borax, but that cross-links it all <laughs> and makes uh, the slime. If you want to do without the borax, you use stuff like uh, starch. Um, but you can just Google how to make Silly Putty online and you can make it at home and make flubber. And you just leave it. Say you've got it in the bowl yeah. and you don't try and stir it, it'll be pretty reasonably it's, You can make it so it look, it'll look liquid. If you, yeah. don't, if you can pour it around. But you try and, and some stir it vigorously... It's it it even cracks if you get a, a big. If you got a big enough bowl with a wooden uh, stirring spoon, if you go hard enough, you'll actually see the the solid crack as you try and stir for it. And you have these shards of fluid that then, when you stop pushing on them, turn into liquid. It's like a really interesting. It, it sort of blows your mind and how a solid can behave like that. And that's why it's non-Newtonian because it broke all the rules of what we thought well, fluid should do. How did that? When we started, began to realise that these such things existed. How did that change science? Because then we have to set out some new laws to explain that. Um, there was convenient that they just called it a non-Newtonian. So instead of all the other rules still existed, so we didn't have to say that fluids don't work anymore. It was more we found a new right. class of fluids that. That, slightly that does seem awfully convenient. Yeah, yeah. Right. It would so, have been worse if we found out that everything was non-Newtonian, and then the laws of physics were wrong. Was there a panic when people thought, oh, my goodness? I don't think so, because I think all of our stuff on fluid dynamics was working. We know what happens if you have a cup of water. You can drink out of it. It all makes sense. And then someone came along with a new material and was like, this doesn't make sense. I don't think anyone went back and was like, maybe my water's wrong. So it's kind of the nice bit of making a new material. It can have its own properties, but it doesn't really change the laws of physics. I mean, non-Newtonian fluids still obey the laws of physics. It's just not what we expected when Newton was around looking at fluids. And that's because of the nature of the polymers and yeah. what happens yeah. when they basically, if you apply force, they they get in each other's way. Yeah. Um, if anyone has any time to go onto YouTube and look at non-Newtonian fluids on a speaker, that's really interesting because it vibrates and the vibration causes solidify, but then when it sort of relaxes, it goes solid uh, solution so you have these weird vibrating on and off on and off and it actually makes it grow into these weird snakes that yes. grow up and build on top of each other i think i saw something the other day which was quite mesmerizing and, and it probably changes depending on the music you're playing yeah yeah so you can have different frequencies cause it to grow at different rates or do different things and it's just like these little worms growing apart from these things that kind of confound our sense of the everyday uh, is, is a flubber-like substance or a non-Newtonian fluid, if we go down that road, useful in other ways? Do we use it? Um, so they, they use, I know that they use non-Newtonian fluids in as shock absorbers in like shoes and things because it's kind of like a you apply force and it hardens up, but then it's soft when you're not applying force. Um, but I don't know if there's any real big sort of game-changing ideas out there that, that need them. Um, the if flubber could do the other, one of the things what flubber is called is called flying rubber. That's where it gets its name, and so okay. it can fly as well. Um, and that would be a game changer because in the movie he makes a car that flies out of flubber, and that would change all of 
Now, why does it fly? So the, what they do is they take uh, cyborgium, which is uh, element 106. It's only ever been made for a couple of seconds just to prove we could. And for some reason, they decided that was the element they were going to have a box of. Uh, and they use it as a gamma emitter. Uh, it's actually an alpha emitter, so it emits small uh, helium atoms or nucleus, so two protons, two neutrons. But they take the cyborgium and they hit the flubber. And because it's in the promo, you heard it say a metastable compound. So that means... Actually, what does metastable mean? So it means it's stable, but has high potential energy. So it's stable within a certain uh, materials frame. So you can have something that's stable and you heat it up and then it falls off. And so the best way to think about it is a ball on top of a hill in a little well. It's sitting up there quite happy, right? That's metastable. But there's so much energy that if I push the ball a centimeter to the left and it rolls down a big hill, that's how it releases its energy. So the idea of flubber is metastable is this ball on the hill. You hit it with radiation and it releases all this energy. Yeah, and it doesn't take much. No. That's suddenly you've got a whole lot of action. Yeah, that's the idea. And so then it goes back to does flubber have infinite energy or is it absorbing its energy? So it's hard to know. But the way it flies is then breaks another law. Yeah, I thought it might. So they have a container (laughs) and the flubber's bouncing in the container and the idea is when it's bouncing, it's pushing the container upwards. And that breaks uh, Newton's law of motion. For every force, there's a recurring force. So it's the idea you can't have a... If you have a boat with a fan trying to push the sailboat, you can never get that to work because the fan's pushing the sail, but it's also pushing the boat backwards. So Really? That's, that's, so that's why if you blow on a sailing boat, you know those anything. scenes? Yeah. It's just going to... The, the opposite action will cancel yeah, that out. Yeah. Um, and so they... They're trying to basically, that's what they're saying happens. And so that doesn't really work. But there is this new drive made by, it's called the EM drive, electromagnetic drive made by NASA. And it's got, they put microwaves into a sealed container and it produces force. And they're not quite sure how that works. It might be something to do with the vacuum, uh, something like quantum vacuum. They think it might also be that maybe the, the microwaves, as they're going forward, are heavier than when they're going back because everything's going at the speed of light, it's breaking all these rules of physics, we're not quite sure. But if Flubber could somehow bounce, and if it's sentient, control when it releases that energy, on an every up, have more energy than every down, somehow through like the magics of Flubber... It could lift a car up. That could lift a car. But it's based on it having infinite energy and a sentient ability to release that energy. Yeah, yeah. it's the sentient stuff, really, that kind of... um, Unless you believe, I don't know, that God's in everything. Yeah. In which case, of course it would. Yeah. Otherwise, it doesn't seem to me like we really pass the test. No, if not we, for being able If we're applying a test fly. that there's anything that comes close to what Flubber does. Yeah. The only thing the that comes close is just the actual marketable, consumable toy Flubber, like Silly Putty. <laughs> and that's why, they, that's why they made it. Um and we've still got time. I actually have a fun story about when they first did that. So after 1961, the absent-minded professor came out and there's this big flubber thing. So they started, Hasbro started selling this compound called flubber. It was made of um, uh, rubber and mineral oil. But it's what the silly putty, and they said it was non-toxic, it was really good. Turns out some people's hair follicles were allergic to this and it started making their hair fall out. So they had to recall all this product and they didn't know what to do with it, so they tried to work out how to get rid of it. So they first tried burning it. Uh, it was near um, Providence in uh, Rhode Island, Rhode the United Island. States. Yeah. Yep. And they complained of like 
thousands and thousands of like tons of black smoke coming out. So like, okay, we can't we can't burn it. So they decided to just put it in the in the dump. So they put it in the dump, and then all the kids started breaking into the dump because they knew there was there was thousands of flubber balls there, and so they couldn't leave it in the dump. And they got permission to sink it off off the coast, but all the flubber was floating. <laughs> And so the Coast Guard ended up getting, I think, 50,000 flubber balls from the ocean that they recovered, gave them back to Hasbro. And the thing they finally did is they buried it under the ground in a car park next to their factory. And they thought, they're like, cool, it's all done, uh, easy, good riddance. But then there was uh, some change in like the water table or something happened underground and the flubbers started coming up through the cracks in the concrete. And this was sort of just after, to the year before, they released uh, the new flubber with Robin Williams. So that might have been a little kickstart to the flubber business again when they realised they had 100,000 flubber balls under the ground coming out. It's almost like plutonium in that you've got to bury it and, and it keeps on keeps coming on going, back yeah, at you. Yeah. You don't bury it really well. Did you have flubber as a child, Nate? I had Silly Putty and I had the flubber... I remember the flubber Happy Meal toys. So it was, like, it was big enough to have Happy Meal toys. Um, we had them. And the Silly Putty was one of my favourite toys. You pull it, it snaps. You can pull it slowly. You can get um, newspaper and do the imprints of the flubber. You put the flubber down onto the newspaper, and when you pull it up, you can see whatever was on the newspaper. So really fun toy. Um, Formative one, would you say? I think no? so. It definitely got me interested in, I guess, chemistry and things. The, the corn flour and water non-Newtonian sort of flubber, that definitely was formative. That was like a first time you actually have to play with like an experiment as a kid and it doesn't behave like you think it should. What are you specialising in now? Um, so I'm a solar energy researcher so I, I make things similar so I make organic uh, molecules and nanocrystals to make new types of solar panels and LEDs so it's optoelectronics interactions of light and energy is what I work with. Well if you ever crack that one in terms of getting more energy out of the sun than it's sending down to earth then you'd be a wealthy man. Yeah exactly. But we do have to rewrite the laws of physics. Yeah, yeah. Or if I can invent flubber, I'd also be wealthy. That's, yeah. that's, that's what he does in the movie. He, he saves his university by inventing a new energy source. So that would be great as well. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sci-Fi, Sci-Fact, hosted by me, Brian Crump, produced by Andrew Robertson, and, of course, made possible thanks to the incredible knowledge of those brilliant scientists at the McDiarmid Institute. You can find more episodes of Sci-Fi Sci-Fact on the RNZ Podcasts page. RNZ Podcasts are also available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or pretty much wherever you might find your podcasts. And make sure to follow us so you don't miss out on any new episodes. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.